0: I am so content, just grateful. Amen. It's been an amazing week, and I, I've been running all week. When we wrapped up conference, we Rachel and I headed to Wisconsin. We were in eight sessions in two days in a missions conference there. Ministered in one of those sessions, and then we came back home. So a lot of traveling, a lot of running in between, but I feel rested. I'm fired up, I'm full, amen. God is good. How many of you are grateful for all that you received during our return conference? Amen. God did many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. I've been getting testimonies all week long. People have been approaching me, calling me, emailing me, texting me, just about the good things that God did. I'm grateful. I don't know the exact total, but over $30,000 that we raised. Amen. Praise God. And that, that money is going to be used, all of it, to fund missions, to fund outreaches. We're going to have to put some outreach on the map for Clarksville and Jeffersonville and New Albany. We're going to have to get busy. Amen. And reach this community. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for all that God has done. I've had people approaching me saying they may feel a tug towards missions. Maybe God's calling them. I've had people coming up to me saying they're uh, ready to go to the border in February when we take that trip. They're ready to go and, and to serve Tree of Life Ministries and the Crab Trees and to help them get that facility ready. It's going to be a, a pregnancy center and a sexual trauma center where they're going to be able to minister to people who have been affected in those those areas in their life. So, just man, I'm full. I'm grateful. I really am. And just incidentally, I want to mention this. We're, we're going to start making our preparations. We're going to have a few more fundraisers. We're going to do a few more things towards that trip. We're going to have a meeting. It's not in our announcements. But we're going to have a meeting immediately following the service on November the 7th. An information meeting. So if you're interested in going to Eagle Pass, Texas with us to work there at the Tree of Life Ministry with uh, uh, Dr. Don and Amy Crabtree, if you're interested in going, being a part of that trip, uh, please make plans to stay with us November the 7th. After the service, we'll get all that information. We're going to finalize the dates. I'll actually, hopefully, by the end of this week, we got with Pastor Kurt while we were in Wisconsin, and uh, we're going to be joining with with uh, Stonebridge Church on this trip. I think we've kind of settled on a week where we can go. He's going to confirm with his people. We're going to confirm it here on our calendar and make sure that that does work, and then next Sunday we should be able to announce the time when we're going to travel down to Texas to, uh, to help them to, to build out that facility. It's going to be a great time. Scott's in no matter when, right? No matter when. I love it. I love it. I love that. He's all in. That's our message today, actually. We're starting a new series today called All In, and we're going to baptize here in just a few minutes, and so uh, that's, that's why we've transitioned straight in. We're going to have our announcements at the end in between this message and baptisms, I'm going to get ready. We're going to be baptized. I think we have seven this morning that are going to be baptized, so we praise God for that. Awesome. Amen. I, I really believe that God is doing some great things here. I, I, I sense, sense a, a shift. All right. You added another one. Praise God. I love it. I love it. We've been baptizing people who have been making commitments. Amen. Amen? The reports, the excitement, um, the engagement towards missions and evangelism, I love it. And we were, we were in a, I've, I've got a group of guys, they're, I'll I just say I think the average age is right around my age, probably is about our age in this group. And a um, good, good, good majority of them are, are younger than me, uh, there may be a couple that are a little bit older than me, but average age is right around my age, and we're meeting with these, it's eight men. We're meeting on Tuesday nights right now, and we're going through a a a Bible study curriculum together. And we're meeting together. And um, last last Tuesday night, it wasn't so. It would have been two weeks ago almost. um, When when that group came together, we actually didn't even get into the Bible study. Uh, the, The men began to open up. They began to share what the Lord was doing, and before you know it, we we were making commitments to the Lord. They were going all in. That, that was literally the words that we were using. We're going all in. No, no more limitations. Nothing else is going to set me back. Nothing else is going to hinder me. In my walk with Jesus, I'm making a determination. These were the words that these men were, were saying. We're making determination that tonight, from this point on, we're going all in. And they opened them th- themselves up for some accountability. Hey, This is what I'm struggling with. I want you to help me. Keep me accountable in this area. Ask me how I'm doing in this area. Right? Keep, keep me going in this area. I need, I need some men that will stand with me in this area. These men were going all in. And I, that, that just kind of stuck with me. That stuck with me. And during the conference, I, I can't remember what session it was, but this, this phrase just kind of kept resounding, and the Lord began to speak to me about sharing some, some things with you on this idea about going all in. It's time for us to go in. How, how many of you recognize that... There, things are shifting in the world. Yeah. We will never go back. This is a reality. We just have to accept this. We will never go back to life the way that it was in 2019. Amen. Life will never be the same. The way that we did business, the way that we travel, the way that we relate, the way that we go into restaurants, etc., 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 etc. Life will never be like it was. We need, we need to accept that. And I think that should cause something on the inside of us to rise. I think it's time for a new commitment in the church. That, and that's happening. We're seeing that. We're hearing that from pastors. <clears throat> Two things are happening right now in the church. People are falling away. It's happening. People are falling away. People are giving up. People are renouncing their commitment to the Lord. It's happening. And then on the other hand... People are making stronger commitment than ever to the things of God. We're seeing this. We're seeing this. This is what's happening. There's a sifting going on right now. There's a sifting going on in the body of Christ. There's a sifting going on. You've got to make a determination which way you're going to go. Are you going to fall away or are you going to go all in? There, there is no middle ground, right? There's no such thing as lukewarm Christianity. There's no such thing as middle ground Christianity. You have to make a decision when you make the decision to follow Jesus where you stand. The every other Sunday stuff needs to stop. Barna says that faithful church attenders today, people who think that they are faithful in attending church are every third Sunday Christians. Baloney. 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 If you think coming to church 17 times a year is going to sustain your walk with Christ, you are fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Somebody needs to sound this alarm. You are fooling yourself. If you think that half-heartedness is going to get it, if you you think you're going to sustain in your walk with Christ with a half-hearted lifestyle, you are fooling yourself. There are blinders on your eyes. I need to sound the alarm this morning. You need to wake up. we got to rise. There's too much at stake. If you think living a half-hearted lifestyle in front of your kids is going to compel them to follow Christ, you are deceiving yourself. You have been deceived. The call to follow Jesus is a call to forsake all, to take up your cross and follow him. We cannot live with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You can't live with one hand reaching towards Christ and one hand holding on to everything else. We've got to let all of that go, forsake all, and follow Christ with everything that we are. That's the reality. It's a time today for the church to go all in when it comes to following Jesus. I'm going to preach a message this morning called One Thing Lacks. One Thing Lacks. I'm going to take a text this morning from the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. And we are going to be looking at the words of Jesus over the next month or so. I don't think most Christians, this is a reality, I don't think most Christians really know what Jesus taught. And we're going to work to remedy that. We're going to look at the words of Jesus. We're going to look at the call that Christ uh, gives to come and follow him over and over and over and over again throughout Scripture. The call to follow Jesus. So we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And it says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him. And he asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. And he answered him and said unto him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth, I've done all of this. And Jesus looking at him, I, I, I love this right here. Jesus looking at him, loved him. Jesus looking at him, loved him. Church, that's got to be our heart towards those that are outside. They may not get it. They may not have it all together. They may be trying to figure this thing out. Our attitude, our heart towards them. We have to look at them through eyes of compassion and love. We need to remember where God's brought us from. And we, need all, we also need to remember none of us have it all. There's none good but God. None of us, have, I don't have it all together. I'm working it out. Amen. I'm daily trying to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not a perfect man. I need Jesus every single day. I have to die every single day to myself. Amen. My, my stinking flesh rises up every single day and I have to put it down on a cross and nail it and crucify that thing, right? My nasty attitude tries to rise. My, my ego tries to rise. My, my greed tries to rise up on the inside of me. Let's not look at the world with contempt. Generally, that's the, the, the Christian's attitude towards an unbelieving world. We have contempt towards them when where we ought to have compassion Right? We need to get, stop getting so angry and so worked up about all the things that the world are doing. You know what the world is doing? Exactly what they're programmed to do. Why are we surprised? Why are we upset about it? Why do we let that steal our joy? Why do we, why do we let politicians rob our joy? Why do we let heathens rob our joy? The world's doing what they do. We need to do what we do and just let God fill our hearts with joy. Amen? Amen? Don't complain about it. Stop criticizing it. Stop picking it apart. Stop analyzing it. Stop talking about it. Stop posting it. Can I get an amen on that? They're doing what they're supposed to do. The devil's a good devil and heathens are good heathens. God's a good God. Are we good Christians? When we look at the world, we, we need a boatload of compassion just to be dumped on us a care for them, a concern for them, a heart for them, a love for them. Amen? Stop letting them frustrate so much, you, you so much that you can't even talk to them. You can't even look at them. You can't even engage them. We, we need to have the heart like Jesus who sat down with sinners. <coughs> Jesus didn't sit down with sinners so he could condone what they were doing. He didn't uh, sit down with sinners so that they, he could better understand them So he could understand where they were coming from. I know where they're coming from. They know where they're at. We need to sit down with sinners so we can call them to repentance. Amen? Amen? Amen. Call them to follow Christ. Sitting down with sinners is not getting involved in their lifestyle. But it's, it's it's a lifestyle of loving them into the kingdom. Amen. That's got to be our heart. But Jesus, looking at him, verse twenty-one, loved him and said to him, "One thing." Everybody say one thing. One thing, one thing you lack. And it's easy to judge this guy. It really is. It's, it's easy to think, man, this this guy is messing it up right here. He's letting one thing come in and keep him from the kingdom. We, we, we have to be honest. every single one of us have one thing. There's one thing we're all trying to overcome. I'll tell you, the, one of the common denominators I was telling you about that men's group on, on Tuesday night, one of the common things, they were all sharing their one thing. For some it might have been drink. For some it might have been women. For some of them, it, it might be, been, been money. For some of them, it might have been an identity crisis. But there was one thing that they were battling. One thing they hadn't surrendered. One thing that constantly r- rose up. And they were working to deal with that one thing. He says, one thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And, and Jesus is just confronting his one thing. Because his one thing is possessions, money, wealth, right? right? Love of the things of the world. And so he just, j- Jesus goes right for it. Go and sell it all. Jesus, Jesus doesn't mess around with our one thing. We, we like to coddle it and entertain it and try to keep it at bay and just kind of I'm going to categorize it over here, and it's still going to have a place in my life. I'm going to have Jesus here and my one thing here. But Jesus said, nope, go sell it all. Put, put that thing, Put that one thing on the cross. You're going to have to surrender that one thing. If you're really going to come and follow me, you've got to give it up. He goes right at it. Go your way and sell whatever you have. Give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and take up the cross and follow me. But he, this, this young man, was sad at his words and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So what, what is your one thing? We're, we're 10 minutes into the message here, and you probably already know, it's, it's probably burning in your mind your one thing. We don't have to dig deep to figure out what your one thing is. You know what that one thing is that you wrestle with. You know that one thing that you have a hard time dealing with, the one thing you have a hard time giving up, the one thing that controls you. We all have one thing. Here, there's a reality. A spiritual reality that we see in this passage, and in fact, all of the passages that I'm going to be sharing about Jesus over the next few weeks, there's this reality that in terms of spiritual commitment, what the world calls fanaticism, and the church calls extremism, Jesus calls discipleship. That's the reality. If you're a true follower of Jesus, people are going to think you're extreme. The world's going to think you're a fanatic. But this is the life that Jesus has called us to. There's always one thing. For all of us, there's one thing that if we're not careful, will come and take us out or it'll keep us from finding the purpose of God, from fulfilling the call of God upon our life, from being everything that God intends for us to be, to living a full life, a satisfied life, a complete life, a life of joy, righteousness, peace. One thing. There's many, many examples of one thing in different people's lives throughout the scripture. Matthew chapter eight, verse 21 through 22. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I'd I'd come follow you right now, Jesus, but but first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Another example in Luke chapter 9, verse 61. Another one says to, to, to him, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one. Having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Are, are there some attachments? Are there some things that you're still saying goodbye to? I, and and we, we kind of do it like this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit this one day. I'm going to deal with this thing that controls my thoughts, my emotions, my actions, I can go to church every Sunday morning, but when I wake up, it's the first thing in my, my mind on Sunday morning. When I'm driving home, I'm thinking about my one thing. Monday through Friday, it's the one thing. It, 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 it compels me. It consumes me. It, it owns me. It controls me. And I'm, I'm eventually, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a good Christian person. I, I go to church at least every third Sunday. You know, I've read my Bible three times this year. And I even went to one night of that missions conference last week. So I think the Lord understands I'm doing the best that I can. And one of these days, yeah, I know this thing really is robbing me of a lot of joy and a lot of peace and a lot of time and a lot of relationships. One day I'm going to deal with it, one day I'll get this thing under control. It's the long goodbye. Lord, let let me go say goodbye to my friends. Just give me a little more time. And you know what happens? The long goodbye robs us from being all in, from being fully invested. And it gnaws at us and consumes us. We think it's a little thing, but the reality is it's giant. It's a monster. It could be any number of things, unforgiveness, an offense. It could be an addiction, a habit. It could be an ego or a greed thing that's driving us, consumes us. Yep, yeah, Jesus, said, yeah, I'll go all in one day. I will follow you one day, but... I, I, I got to go say goodbye to some folks. I got to go say goodbyes to some things. And if we're not careful, that long go- goodbye ends up being weeks and months and years, and that thing's dominating us and c- controlling us, and we are denying the fact that it's ravaging our lives. We're pretending like we've got it all together, we're, we're pretending like everything's all right, but in the reality, we're broken. More excuses, Luke chapter 14, verse 16 is where we begin to read. (coughs) Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. And they began making excuses. Everybody say excuses. Look at your neighbor and say, what's your excuse? We've all got excuses. They begin making excuses. I would go to church, but there's a soccer tournament. I would show up at the missions conference, but there's a football game. They're making their excuses. They all begin making their excuses. And one said, I have bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married and so I can't come. Poor guy. <laughs> and the servants returned. They never knew what true happiness was until it was too late. <laughs> the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly. ...into the streets and the alleys of the town... ...and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Whenever the servant has, had done this, he reported there is still room in, for more. And So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges... ...and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I, have, I, I first invited will get even the smallest taste... Of the banquet. I, I want to compel you this morning. Please do not excuse your way out of the kingdom. I, I need to say this there's only one way into the kingdom. And it's all in for Jesus. Nothing else is going to get you in. You know, there are going to be a lot of Christians who showed up on some of the work days. And they show up on judgment day. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, we prophesied in the streets, depart from me. I never knew you. If, if there's a message that needs to be heard in the American church today, this is it. You're half-hearted. You're lukewarm, and I am going to spit, puke you. This, that, literally, the, the words in the original language, I'm going to puke you out like vomit. I think that would, if, if Jesus could stand in front of his church today in America, that, I think that would be the message you would declare to us. Your half-heartedness is disgusting to me. Your weak, empty-hearted offerings I despise. Your lackadaisical spirit is a stench to me. I honestly believe with everything in my being that if Jesus could stand before his church today in the United States of America, that would be his message to us. That's, I, I, I believe this with everything in my heart. That's why I believe what's happening in America today is happening. That's why I believe that everything that's going on with pandemics, with politics, with economics, with everything is happening. I believe that God is setting us up for a purging, for a cleansing, for an awakening, so that we would be compelled to go all in for Jesus Christ. I believe that with everything that's on the inside of me. What is your excuse Hobbies, sports, entertainment, Christian entertainment. You can be entertained with good Christian entertainment and still miss it. Where's your walk with Jesus? There there will be no other substitute on judgment day. The the words of Jesus are very clear. He says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That indicates to us that the, the, the prerequisite for the kingdom is relationship with Jesus. Having a genuine covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. The same way that I have a relationship with my wife. And that's literally, in, 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 that, in the, the, the original language, that word new there is like a man knowing his wife, the intimacy of marriage. Can you imagine if I showed up at home every third week? Can you imagine if I, if I had a communication, which prayer is communication with God? Reading the word is communication with God? Can you imagine if I communicated with my wife three times a year? It matters. Relationship matters. I would come home this week, baby, but... There's a football game. I just bought some ox. I'm going to go try them out. I just bought a field. Excuses. They're Excuses. And if we don't deal with those things, if we don't deal with the things that that have control of our heart, eventually, eventually, they're going to cause all of us to fall away. That's a reality. Before before I get there, how, how about this? This is one of the most popular excuses in the church today. I'm doing better than everybody else, I serve more than so and so. Well, everybody comes every third Sunday, so it's got to be all right, right? Comparison with other people, that's our excuse. I'm better off, I don't cuss the way they do. I don't sin like they do. Mama, I got some news for you. Daddy, I got some news for you. Jesus is not going to judge you according to them. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, you know what the standard's going to be? Jesus. Period. Well, they didn't do it. That excuse won't carry any weight. Well, I'm doing better than so-and-so. That doesn't matter. The Lord is not going to judge you according to others. You know what he's going to judge you according to? What he's called you to. Have you been obedient to follow me? Have you been obedient to answer the call? Have you been obedient to do the things that I've asked you to do? God is not going to judge you according to others. He's going to judge you according to what He's called you to do. God hasn't called me to Peru, He called John Mortimer there. But you know what? God's called me to Clarksville. And I want to be faithful in Clarksville. Amen? Amen? God hadn't called me to do what Scott does. He's got a vocation, and I believe God's placed him where he works to be a light in that place. And Scott has to live his own walk with Jesus. He has to have his own relationship with the Lord. Amen? He can't get in on my relationship He can't look at any brother in the church and say, well, they're only living here. I'm just going to kind of settle in and live there, too. We can't do that. Some of y'all are looking at me cross-eyed like I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me give you some scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone thinks himself to be something. See, that's that's what happens. Whenever we're doing that, we're thinking ourselves to be something. I'm not like them. I'm better off than they are. I'm more faithful than they are. So I think the Lord will be pleased with me. You know what you're doing? You're thinking better of yourself. And you know what? I don't want you to think better of yourself and I don't think, want you to think worse of yourself. I want you to have a proper estimation of where you are in your walk with God. If anyone thinks of himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Check this out. Let each one examine his own Work. I need to examine my work. Not not Rebecca Manickee's work. God's not gonna judge me by what Rebecca does. Am I doing the work that God's called me to do? Am I faithful to what the Lord is requiring? Of me. Let everyone examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. For each one shall bear his own load. Are we bearing the load? Salvation is absolutely free, it's a free gift from God. It's a gift to be received and not a, an accomplishment to be received. But how many of you know that with that gift comes great responsibility? To whom much is given, much is required, right? Salvation is like giving your son a pickup truck for his birthday. Don't get any ideas, Noah. (laughs) It's a free gift. How many of you know you got to put gasoline in that thing? You got to maintain it. You've got to change the oil. Eventually, those, those tires are going to wear, and you've got to get a new set of tires. Radiator might break. The water pump might break. You're going to have to maintain that vehicle. If I give my child a vehicle, they're going to have to maintain it, or it's going to break down. That's a reality. That, that's what will happen. If we don't maintain this thing that God's given us, we will break down in our walk with God. In any relationship, you take any relationship, you, you can't have a relationship in marriage and not maintain it and not expect it to break down. It takes maintenance. I, I've learned, I used to, man, how many of you have ever been there? Where, where I mean, we used to make those bald tires run as long as we could. I remember getting to the, the, the tire shop and he's like, that, that uh, mechanic there, he, he brings that tire out to me and he said, man, the inside of this, you could see the, the threads, the wires sticking out here. How many of you have ever been there? Yeah, I know we're supposed to change the oil every 3,000 miles, but I'm going to push it to about six. Man, how, how many of you have ever been there? How many of you have ever got burned there? How many of you know what it is to be on the side of the road with a flat tire and you knew my friend Philip Thompson, who was here, spoke this last week during our conference. He he got in an airplane to fly from Wisconsin to San Antonio for the missions conference. And that plane was making a noise, and he knew he should not be flying it. You know where he ended up? In a cornfield in Iowa. <laughs> crash landing at two AM in the morning. If you don't maintain it, eventually you're gonna crash. If you don't change that oil, the engine's going to blow, right? I've learned the value of preventative maintenance. Do it, keep staying on top of it, doing it when it's. You know, it's a lot easier and cheaper to change the oil in your car than it is to put an engine in, right? $40 or $2,500 or $4,500, right? The little maintenance will save us. There's, There's a man in the Bible I want to bring our attention to And then we're going to land this airplane. Not in the cornfield. Our 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, there's a man there named Demas. And and Paul, Apostle Paul, makes makes a statement to Timothy about Demas. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know what happened to Demas? He didn't deal with that one thing. There was something in Demas' heart, something in Demas' spirit. He walked with Paul for a while, but eventually he forsook Paul because he loved this present world. There was an affection. There was something that had him. There was something that grasped him, that was controlling him, that he could not beat. He couldn't get it under control. And what happened? It eventually took him out. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So I ask again, what's the one thing? What's your one thing? Is it drink? Is it money? Is it girls? Is it boys? Is it vocation? Is it a hobby? John, and this isn't in my notes, but John, in one of his letters, he writes, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Really, all sin falls into those three categories. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. Our one thing is somewhere in the realm of those three categories. What we see, what we feel, what we long for. If we don't get those longings under control, they will control us. As Christians, we're not anti-entertainment. I love to be entertained. I love to watch a football game every once in a while. I love to go to a concert. I love music. There's all kinds of things that I enjoy in life that aren't sinful. Until I put them above the Lord. Wealth is not sinful. Money is not wicked. He says the love of money, an inordinate desire of money is a wicked thing. And it's the root of all evil, he says. Right? Right? So having things, enjoying life, it's not sinful. It's when those things get out of balance. Sex is beautiful. It was made with great purpose, and part of that purpose is for enjoyment within the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. That's the way God designed it. We've got to be clear about that. Shacking up is sin. Adultery is sin. Fornication is sin. Homosexuality is sin. If you keep practicing these things, you will not, and we need to declare this message boldly in the culture that we live today, but if you keep practicing these things, you are outside of God's kingdom. It's not love. It is perversion. All of it. I'm not picking on homosexuality. I'm talking all sexual sin is perversion. Whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, it's perversion. We need to say that loud and clear in our culture today. That's part of going all-in. I mean, we need all-in Christians that will stand up for those things and stand up in the realm of politics for Christian worldview. Amen? On the Republican side and the Democrat side, they both have error. I've never yet met a perfect politician. (laughs) Republican, Democrat, or any other stripe in between. We need to stop playing politics and we need to stand up and speak truth. We need to say what God says about marriage, about sexuality, about racism, about politics, about economics. We need to say what the Bible says. That's all in. Amen. We need more Christians all in and less compromised. Amen. To be continued next Sunday. We'll talk more about a lot of that over the next few weeks. So we've all got one thing. How how do we deal with our one thing? How do we deal with it? I believe Jesus gives us the key right there in that passage talking to this young man. Go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Then he says, take up your cross. And follow me. There was one thing in my life that really, for a long time, dominated everything that I did. I tried to overcome it with white knuckles, with gritted teeth, with all the strength of my humanity that I could muster. And I could not control it. No matter how hard I tried, it controlled me. You know what made the difference? I died to my sin. I identified with Jesus, the Son of God, hung upon a cross to die in my place. That's the reality of how I've overcome. In fact, that's the reality of how I, I overcome every single day. The Apostle Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, he says, I die daily. The greatest advice in this Christian life that we can ever receive is die. Die. Man, we need to die to. Ourselves. We need to come to a place in life where we can live without a vote. Let that sink in in a democratic nation. Some of the greatest Christians that I know are gang members and military people. You know why? Because they understand authority. They understand headship. They don't have a problem submitting to Jesus because they submitted to their gang leader. They submitted to their sergeant and their colonel. So they don't have a problem with submission. But most Americans aren't very good at submission. Dying to self and coming under the lordship of Jesus. We need to come to a place where we stop making decisions for ourselves. And we're led of the spirit of God where the Lord leads us. It takes dying every single day. I chose to follow Jesus yesterday. You know what I had to do this morning? I had to wake up and choose to follow him again. I have to choose every single day. Somebody cuts me off, and sometimes I don't do it. Let's be honest. How many of you you don't make the decision to follow Jesus at points in your life? How many of you know what it means to be overcome with road rage? I and mean, we were on our way to Wisconsin the other day. This guy, we were, I forgot, we were somewhere north here on 65. We pulled off for lunch, and some guy, I mean, he pulled out in front of me. I had to slam my brakes on, and I laid on the horn. And for a minute, I, fought, I forgot that I was dead. <laughs> we have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. We have to put this stinking flesh that we all carry around to death on a daily basis. If we don't do that, we're going to end up like Demas. If we let this flesh begin to rise up and take control, it will take us out. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says this, he says, I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. See, we we, we die, our position in Christ, we are dead with him. We have been crucified with him, right? For what purpose? So that we can live to God. Because as long as I keep living to myself, that's my response when I get cut off in traffic. When somebody says the wrong thing t- to me, I'm going to treat them unkindly. I'm going I'm I'm to bear a, a, an offense, and unforgiveness in my spirit as long as I live to my flesh. Amen. Right? But I have to choose to mortify this stinking flesh. Put it under and live to God. None of us are good. None of us are good in and of ourselves. Our human nature is nasty. We're wretches. We can only glorify God through the Spirit of God living in us. If we live a life that is alive to God, as he says here, dead to the law, dead to sin, but alive to God. I have been crucified with Christ, he says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh, the life that I, I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We have to live a crucified life. And I, I understand, listen, I understand there's a group of people there that, that has a certain connotation that is negative. But let's come back to the reality of what it means, what the Bible teaches that it means. We have to live a crucified life. Amen. We die daily. We don't live to the flesh anymore. We live to God. We live by this, the power of God's Spirit. Amen? Amen? We now live a life by faith in the Son of God. I think it's just important that we understand this. We are saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. If you are in Christ, you are saved. You have been justified. David Cook taught it this way. It's just as if you had never done it. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. there, there, there is no, there's no death sentence over your life anymore. If you were in Christ, you are saved. And then we are being saved. We are being sanctified on a daily. And this is really, this message is really where I'm talking right now. It's in this process of sanctification. It's God working in us that day by day we would be more like His Son Jesus. I mess up a lot, I have to acknowledge that sin, I sin, it happens in my life from time to time, but thank God for sanctification, I've come a long way, all right, the old timers used to say, I'm not what I used to be, but thank God I'm not where, or I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I am not where I used to be, by the grace of God, that's where the old timers used to say it, amen? Sanctification, God is working in us. God is forming the the likeness. How many of you know that God predestined that we would be conformed to the image of his son Jesus? God God determined from the foundation of the world that we would look like Jesus. That's his desire. That's God's will. If you want to know the will of God, there it is right there, that you would be like Jesus. That's God's best intention for you. That's his highest will for you, that you would look like Jesus Christ. That's where we're preaching today, that this thing is being worked out. We are saved. We have been justified. We are being saved. That's just, uh, that is sanctification, and we will be saved. That's glorification. How many of you know that one day we are actually going to be like Jesus? Amen. We are going to know as He knows. I hear people saying all the time when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord this. No, you're not. You're going to know. The Bible says you will know as He knows. You're going to understand why you had a hard time working it all out. You're going to understand all of those questions that you're, you're wrestling with today. Then you're going to know. You're going to be glorified. You're going to be like Jesus. You're going to have a body like Jesus. Amen? We're talking about this thing of, justifi- of, of, of sanctification. God working out his, his, his nature, his character in our lives. That's where we're, we're ministering today. Amen? This is nothing about salvation, but about where we're living as Christians. Amen? We don't work for our salvation. I want to be very clear about that. Jesus did everything. When he said it's finished, it is finished. All the work that satisfied the wrath of God is complete. And if we put our faith and confidence in him, we can be saved. Amen? I'm talking about a saving faith that takes us beyond our little elementary beginnings as Christians. We don't stay where we started. God's progressing us. God is moving us. The Christian faith is a walk of progression. We're changing day by day. Amen? And, and, and it, 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 we have to be honest with ourselves. If that process isn't working out, we need to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, Lord, am I really even saved? Am I truly a follower? Do I need to come back to the cross and start from the beginning, repent of my sins, take up my cross and follow Christ? Last scripture, Romans chapter 6, verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we deal with our one thing? We die. Dead men don't sin. You know what the biggest hindrance in your Christian walk is? There's one honest person here. We love to blame the devil. My father-in-law said one time he walked into his bedroom, and the devil was sitting at the end of his bed crying. He asked him, what's wrong? he said, I'm just so tired of everybody blaming everything on me. (laughs) We're blaming it on the devil. We'll blame it on the world. We'll blame it on our wife. I've been thinking about doing this series of messages just about how, how about, around the word, word self. All of our problems are wrapped up in self. I am my own greatest enemy. People have despised me, hated me, talked bad about me, tried to do evil things to me. I've had a lot of enemies in life, and I'm sure you have too. You know the greatest enemy of all? This dude right here. Preach the message about, about Dave, Dave in the cave. David in his, in his seasons of cave dwelling. You know why God sent David to the cave? Saul chasing him. You know who David's greatest enemy was? It wasn't Saul. Saul was throwing javelins at him, Saul was chasing him, trying to kill him. You know why God allowed Saul to pursue David? So that the Saul in David's own heart could be dealt with. See, all of us have Saul in our spirit. Pride, anger, greed, lust. In the deepest, darkest caverns of our heart, there's a soul that lurks. And so God sends the souls to chase us, to hunt us, to try to kill us persecute us so that that soul in our spirit will be put to death. It's like a like an antivenom. God gives us doses of soul to kill that soul that's in our spirit. If David hadn't been chased by Saul, he would have ended up just like Saul. Right? How many of you have ever had to submit to a wicked leader? You know why God allowed that? So you don't become like that. Amen? He exposed you to that. So you come to a realization there is a better way. I'm not going to speak to people like that. I'm not going to use and abuse people like that. I'm not going to dominate the way they dominate. I'm not going to use and abuse the way that they use and abuse. I want to lead differently. I want to love differently. I want to serve differently. Amen? God wants us to grow. Let's stand together. God's number one concern for your life is not your comfort. My number one concern for your life as a preacher is not your comfort. I could have comforted all of you. Man, you're wonderful. You're so generous. You just gave a big offering to the missionaries. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for God's goodness and generosity that was exhibited through your life last week. I am. But I don't want to comfort you as a pastor. I want to provoke you. We are to provoke one another to love and to good works. We are to spur one another along. Amen? Don't comfort me either. I want somebody to come alongside of me and say, don't, don't, get, don't, 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 don't be at ease, Pastor. Come on, it's time to go forward. It's time to do, do more. Don't get lazy. Don't settle in. Pastor, let's not get normal. Let's not get to doing humdrum church. We want to do more. We, we want to go on to better things. We want to build more. We want to reach more. We want to strive for more. We want to become more. Amen? Amen. Provoke me. And you do. Many do in this building. and I'm grateful for it. Church, is time to put the lackadaisical spirit aside. time to stop entertaining the one thing, coddling it, nurturing it, hiding it. You want an indicator that maybe you have one thing? Here's an indicator. When somebody comes and puts their finger on your one thing, you get mad at the people that love you. You don't want covering. You want to cover up. I'm going to hide my one thing back here. You better not put, you know what covering does? Covering uncovers when there's a one thing. If you've got a brother or sister in your life that loves you enough to say, hey, you've got a blind spot, don't get mad at them. Receive it with humility. And allow God to change you humble yourself it takes humility look at this picture take up your cross that's the call to humility not defiance who are you to speak to me who do you think you are? No. Come to the cross and humble yourself. Amen. If you're ready to go all in, if you need to make a new commitment today to Jesus, I want you to walk down this aisle and we're going to pray with you. We're going to baptize some folks in just a minute. But if you need to make a new commitment, a fresh commitment to follow Christ. I want you to walk down to this aisle today. Father, I thank you. As those who are coming make their way to this altar, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for their lives. Father, we love you. Father, we need you. Father, do a work in our hearts. Father, right here, we come to an altar we come to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. and We lay down the sacrifice of our life on the altar. We come to die upon the altar that we might live in Christ, that we might live to God, that we might live by the Spirit. Father, help us. Lord, we surrender right now in the name of Jesus. We yield. We give up. I think this is, and listen, I don't want anybody to get the idea that saying some formulated prayer is the way to salvation. We've got to be born again. It's a work of the Spirit of God in our heart that transforms us. There's something that sparks on the inside of us and something of the Spirit is born on the inside of us. But I I think it's important for us in this moment to make a declaration, to pray some things to the Lord. I want you to pray with me. And if if you don't mean this, don't say this. But if you mean this, I want you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I yield to you, not to a man, not to a religion, not to a denomination, but I yield my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I surrender. I give up. I take my hands off of the controls. I give you supreme control. All authority in my life. Have your way in me. Use me for your glory and for your purpose. Lord, help me to surrender my will to your will. I pray now, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my family, in my home, in my workplace. At school, in my church, as it is in heaven. Lord, help me to grow. I want to be a follower. I want to be a disciple. I want to grow to be like you. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now I lift everyone in this altar to you, Lord. I pray that above all, You draw men. What I just declare right now, there's relationship that's going to come forth out of this, Lord God. Their walk with you is going to be richer and deeper and stronger than ever before. Father, we make a declaration right now, Lord God, we are all in. No looking back. We're not going to look over our shoulder. We're not going to say a long goodbye. We're we're not going to... Worry about our business or, or our, our family or anything. We're not going to let anything from hindering us. We're not going to allow anything to hinder us from following you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I believe there are people that are standing in this altar that have lost their joy. So, Lord, I just pray that you would restore to them the joy. Of their salvation. That it would be like that day that they first walked an altar and made a commitment to you. Lord, that reproach was rolled away. That burden and shame was not there. And Father, in many instances, we've taken it back upon ourselves. We've allowed guilt and shame and burden and sorrow to rob us of our joy. So, right now, Lord, come and refresh revitalize us, renew us, strengthen us, heal, Lord God. I pray that we can release offenses, we can release unforgiveness. People who have said the wrong things to us, people who have hurt us, we release them right now in the name of Jesus. You have forgiven us and we forgive them. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God. Lord, I just declare right now that everybody in this altar there's a new fruitfulness coming to their lives, Lord God. You're going to do a new work in them and through them, Lord God. I thank you for it, and I give you praise for it. Let a new anointing come upon their life, O oh God. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's, let's stand together all around this building. Let's give the Lord praise and thanks. Amen. Alina is going to come. Dean Harris is going to come and, and make some announcements. I'm going to go get ready to baptize. Hey, and if you need to be baptized today, let's make a move. Amen. Let's go all in for Jesus. Beautiful.
1: Thank you, Lord. Oh, how wonderful. This is why we come to church, right? Isn't it wonderful? All in. No excuses. You know, I was thinking of God's pursuing love. Look how he's pursuing us right now. And what a good father. Hey, little one, I need this. I want this. Come on, come on. I know I've walked into prayer before, and I've knelt, and I felt the Holy Spirit to say to me, I've missed you. Hey, where have you been? And I was walking outside with my uncle a little bit yesterday who was visiting And we were talking about just how the Holy Spirit draws and draws us. That love, oh, draws us. Aren't we blessed? I'm thinking of that song, Falling in Love with Jesus. You all know the song I'm talking about? Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. There's no place I'd rather be. Thank you, Pastor Chad. That was wonderful. Much needed. Much needed. Amen. And you know what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for pursuing us with your love. It's time for announcements. Men, don't forget to register for the men's breakfast being held this Saturday, October the 23rd. You can register online at returnchurch.org under events. So please, gentlemen, come out and encourage each other. I said, that's the joy of church. We come, we get connected, we encourage each other. I don't know about you, but I need about you, but I need encouragement. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and just smile. Have you smiled in anybody today? You said hello, fist bumped. Make sure you do that before you walk out those doors today. Connect. If you've not already registered to volunteer for our trunk or treat outreach event, please do so today. You can register to volunteer on our website at returnchurch.org under the events tab. We are also asking people to donate candy. What a wonderful way to reach our little community here. And these parents drive by and they see, and it's a chance as they come through the cars, pick out some goodies, We can say hey Jesus loves you Jesus is sweet my grandpa was so cute every Sunday morning he used to have a line of kids all the way out to the door on one of the back rows there we couldn't figure out what is he doing and grandpa Beatty one day we saw his pockets were bulging and we're thinking what is he doing Do you know that he'd have all these kids lined up, they'd come by, he'd give them a little piece of candy, and he'd say, Jesus loves you, and don't forget, he's sweet, just like that candy. Somebody in here needs to get their pockets filled with candy and start treating our kids. Kitty Downey, she's getting baptized today. So fun. She's heading up a new life group called Grace Through Healing. Is she waving? Is she there? She is. She's a waving. It's exciting. This is held every Tuesday at 6:30. She made a video to give us a little more info on what the group is about, which we'll watch right now. God bless you all.
0: All right, church, we, have, we actually had, I think, uh, two or three more, three more that are going to get baptized. Praise God for that. This is Christian Dattilo. He's going to be baptized as well as his mother and his father this morning. Praise God for that. Christian, because of the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit which is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the of because of your profession of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, well, I thank you. I thank you very Right, this is Jennifer. So that's son, father, and now mother. Man, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Jennifer, go ahead and your you Jennifer, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is Elijah Roddenberger. Amen. This is a young man that initiated our baptisms today. Amen. He came a couple weeks ago and said he wanted to get baptized, and we thank God for it. Elijah, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of God is all over this. This young lady, Father, I thank you for your goodness and grace, Angela. Because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the name of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. confidence and a boldness and a satisfaction to that she won't Michael Schaefer. Michael, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stacy Schaefer. Stacy, because of your profession of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit, which is the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. You're hiding right, back you. <laughs> Be careful. So, amen. This is Kitty, Kitty Downey. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I know you guys know her. You think? Well, she's been baptized before. And you know what? This is God doing something newer, deeper, a fresh experience. Amen. There's a new walk. new sense of purpose in Jesus. Kitty, because you're a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the name of Jesus Christ. Most- <laughs> <season. laughs> <laughs> oh, you miracles and signs and wonders. Oh, Father, I declare that through this ministry you're going to deliver and you're going to set free. Father, I thank you for what I give you praise for it. Strengthen her. Strengthen her and Jerry together, Lord. God. Bless her, Lord. Favor her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. <laughs>
2: his name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand as we pray and close the service out and bless the offerings. Remember, we have our offering boxes in the back. We thank you so much for your great, great generosity this past week with our missions program. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to keep on going. We're going to do what God has called us all to do as a church family. It's just a wonderful thing to be here together today and every Sunday as we come back together. I look forward to us even growing Uh, that's interesting. As our third Sunday people start coming back every Sunday we're going to run out of space. We're going to have to go to two services. We have a lot of people. We do but we just need to get in the habit of coming every Sunday. I look forward to that love to be with each and every one of you what a beautiful day in the house of the lord seven eight people got baptized i mean this this year we have been blessed and it's not over yet heavenly father i just thank you for who you are we bless your holy name we come together as your children to be unified follow you, to march forward with your vision, not our vision, not man's vision, but your vision, your mission for this church body in Clarksville, Indiana, in Indiana, the the United States, and the world. Lord, I know we seem small, but you've done impossible things with the weak and the small. And We look forward to being used by you in a mighty way in the days to come, the weeks to come. I ask that you be with each and every one as they travel home today. Keep them safe. Bless them this week as they work until we all come back together. In your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Have a great week. God bless you.